Mike, Almighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellburn, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. Tonight we burn ability points with a man who's been with DCC from the beginning. Brad McDevitt has worked with Goodman Games since the 3.5 era and has contributed art to the core rulebook of DCC, to X-Crawl, to Mutant Crawl Classics, Age of Cthulhu, and a ton of work for many other companies as well. He also runs his own clip art business and moonlights as a ninja. We'll talk to Brad. We'll try to make Judge Jen tell us things about the DCC annual. And just generally do our best to annoy the goad. All this and more on this episode of Spellburn. I'm Judge Julian and with me are Judge Jen. Good evening. And Judge Jeff. I'm so annoyed. Already? (laughs) <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> and Judge Brad McJevitt, and I promised I'd yep. only say that once. Thank you. And what are you annoyed about, Jeff, other than being Jeff? <laughs> Isn't that enough? Good point. And with that, we'll head on over to Tavern Talk. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give a drink of your most expensive. Tavern Talk. All right, here we are in Tavern Talk, and here we will review the news of the day, see what's posted on the bulletin board and what the town crier is saying, and so on and so forth. Judge Jen, would you like to take it away? This is where we're going to interrogate you, actually. Well, I'm going to cut you off and say that since our last recording, we successfully hosted and ran the second annual Brinkmanomicon, which was a total blast. Uh, We had... Three days of gaming. We had, I believe, a total of 46 attendees spread out over the three days, of course. Uh, but still, we had like 22 people in one day, which was pretty big. And Well, now I'm annoyed that I wasn't there. Uh, well, you should be because uh, Michael Anderson, a friend of ours who lives close to Orlando, couldn't make it, but he offered up the door prize of two pairs of tickets to Universal Studios. So they, it became quite the event. Wow. And a dear friend of mine from Tampa was able to come down, and we were friends back when I lived in Las Vegas. We hadn't seen each other in 15 years, so that was just Neat. phenomenal. So that was oh. awesome, and we'll be doing the uh, Thaculon tournament this coming Saturday at Dungeon Games, too, so that'll be a lot of fun. Jen, what was the gaming highlight of the Brinkmanomicon? You know, I gotta say, seeing Brian Melee, who was who just joined our group like a year ago today, after the uh, Halloween games that we ran at Dungeon last year, uh, he ran his first DCC game, which was oh. really really awesome. Awesome. He, he ran Hole in the Sky. Oh, nice. <laughs> So getting to getting to play in that and getting to play with my friend Gina, that was awesome. Awesome. Okay, and now we're going to interrogate you about the other thing. Okay, um, with the caveat that it was about two to three years ago that I touched any of this, 
And I'm not sure if the Kickstarter will even still be going by the time this episode airs. If it Probably. is, bonus. No. No. Oh, that's fair. Good point. Um, but yeah, there. besides the expanded patrons, uh, my favorites are like some of the magic items that are specified and, and they go into a whole lot of detail versus you having to roll up things under the sword magic tables. Hmm. And the micro settings or like the, the micro adventures that are offered. Hmm. Some of them are just so evocative. I'm like, man, I would love to run this. And I actually kind of want to build a campaign around this one piece that say Michael Curtis has given us. Hmm. Hmm. Now, Jen, do you know why and or are allowed to talk about why it has been so off delayed? Your guess is as good as mine. Although okay. I got to hand it to them. I really like the way they pieced together the audio of all of the seminars that had been taped with, okay, <laughs> this is coming out. And hey, this is coming out. We promise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved that. But I can say that as part of this Kickstarter, the Order of Shanna is going to have a new hymnal because, oh my God, that Shanna cover. <laughs> oh my God, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's just made me think about how in the heck I could justify buying another rule book. <laughs> it's the San Julian. I mean, I'm a huge Shanna fan, but that San Julian cover has me drooling. And as a Julian, you need the San Julian cover. <laughs> yeah, I think it's San Julian. So, yeah. I think so. Okay, well then you're now you're now Judge Julian. Julian. Judge Julian. Judge Julian. Julian. Jefe, you can call me Jefe Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he used to do covers for old eerie and uh, creepy magazines, yay, back in the uh, early mm. '80s and such. Mm. Yep. I about had a heart attack when uh, Joseph told me because my first assumption though was that it was some second right stuff that he got, and like, no, no, that's an original that I commissioned from him, and I'm like, that. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. next, Boris? He he's still alive. Get it now while you can. Yeah. I don't think he's actually that expensive either. Hmm. Well, never hmm. know. I had a friend, a co coworker, actually my boss, uh, that uh, used to work with him fairly regularly when uh, he lived in New York. Wow. Yeah. It's hmm. like you 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 used to have lunch with. Okay, Patrick, I'm impressed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so keeping this going around, Julian, any DCC stuff from you lately? Well, my spies have carried it through the fire, through the trenches, swam the oceans, and smuggled to me. Uh, many people were killed in the in passing this document to me, but I did managed to get a copy, a sort of half-baked, not fully presented copy of the secret battle plans, i.e. a DCC adventure written by the evil one himself. It's called mm -hmm. uh, Half Men at Hirsute Hollow, and apparently he will inflict this, I mean, he will give this to his OSR and Friends supporters or somebody, I don't know. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to show my ignorance here. Who... Who exactly is the evil one? Well, Jason Hobbs, of course. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. I wasn't sure whether uh, that was another of Joseph's titles. Or... Oh, no. The Dark okay. Master. Okay. All right. So, yeah. At any rate, I, I managed to uh, get a copy of this, and um, 
many lives were lost to get it in my hands. It was actually pretty fun. There's a great villain in there, and there's a goad sword. Need I say more? What? Seriously? Yes. So this is a short adventure that's pretty original. It has some genre-bending stuff, and uh, I think it would make a great um, kind of transition, you know, like short one-session shot type thing. So, uh, yeah, anyway, it was pretty. that was pretty fun to see and make sure I can do my best to sabotage it before it ever sees print. Um, I'll be doing my best. Then, uh, you know, the kind of fun news for me is that I hope when people would hear this that we would have an MCC adventure out there with my name on it uh, Mm -hmm. reasonably soon. A new one. Besides the existing ones. Yes. Besides the existing one, there would be this would be number two for Mm me. Can I talk about it, Jen? I think I can talk about it. I am so not the the dark mistress. I <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not where I was going. I do going. not know this. I, as opposed to the dark master, his word is final. We'll talk about it and pretend we can. Right. So anyway, it's called Home for the Holodeath, and it is a holiday Christmas-themed adventure. I had a blast doing my artwork for that, by the way. Yes. Mm. Yes. And that was a particular, I especially like the toy maker piece. Very stylized. Um, so, yeah, I had a blast doing it. I hope people enjoy it. It uh, is goofy as heck. And I don't have much more to say about that, except that it's probably pretty lethal. I don't know if it's Hive of the Overmind lethal or Apocalypse Arc lethal, but it should be pretty uh expect some body count i would say uh, expect some spaghetti sauce from uh, the uh one uh ping and <laughs> over the horizon Plop. <laughs> yeah yes anyway there uh we got, we got a few little death traps and fun things like that in there so i hope somebody enjoys it needless to say that's about it so um with that judge jeff what do you think well, my life is beginning to settle down a bit more here in Cleveland, so I'm able to start doing a little bit more gaming, cool. which I appreciate. I went to go see my second Dungeons and Drag Queens event, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. It, I was thinking it was going to be more of a gaming event than it was. It turns out it's more of a drag show that's kind of Dungeons and Dragons themed than a gaming event. However, there is a pre-game gaming segment and I'm going to be working with Samantha Echo, the main the main drag queen who hosts Dungeons and Drag Queens, <laughs> to help flesh out the pre-show gaming portion and make it a little bit more gamer friendly. I don't know. Okay. So that that should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Also, Doug Kovacs was recently in town and he ran some Punjar 50K oh, yeah. at Weird Realms, the super incredibly awesome local gaming store. Uh, So that's the gaming that I've been up to recently in tangentially related DCC news. um, I have two cats, Hugh and Shanna. And if you listen to the show, you're aware of that. And poor Hugh was in an accident and broke his fang. Um, So that was really sad. And we we, we were uh, working with Hugh to, to get through that. He got a root canal to deal with his broken fang. Uh, so he's on the mend. So those of oh, you who uh, who have been asking about Hugh and Shanna, they're doing good. And uh, I'm sure I will have this con will have already passed by the time this episode comes out. But uh, this weekend, I'm going to be going to con on the cob. 
because although I am primary, I'm functionally unemployed at the moment. <laughs> I uh, this con is only forty five minutes away. How can you not? So that is very easy, and I've got a floor to crash on. So I'm going to go and check it out. I've heard con on the cob is an utter blast. Cool. I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and one other gaming thing is, in general, I will say I am firmly, firmly, firmly on the tabletop side of things, and I am not a big fan of video gaming. But I will say, I watched the the Tetris Championships, <laughs> and it was riveting. I was so enthralled watching these, like, Tetris masters just, like, destroy Tetris that I've now, um, I, I, I'm now playing Tetris constantly at my boyfriend's house because he's got a classic NES and a Tetris, and I will be a Tetris master uh, some point in the near future. In this era, is it even considered a video game, or is it, like, the stone and chisel of the video gamer? <laughs> I think that would be the Game Boy. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> Right? Well, yeah, this, this predates the Game Boy. So, uh, Jeff, when would, do you yes. think you'll be mastering Frogger? <laughs> I don't, I've never really cared for Frogger. And I, I think because I'm just a little bit younger than the three of you, I started my gaming in the Nintendo era, not the Atari era. So I don't mm. actually have a strong attachment to Atari games. Wow. It's Nintendo games that have my heart. Mm. I am all over Pitfall, Brad. <laughs> I, I was trying to like what was the other classic atari game pong uh, uh, i remember pong uh, mm, combat centipede yeah <laughs> wasn't centipede also for the atari well that was an arcade game though but uh okay okay adventure adventure oh yes nice old one yes all right uh thank you jeff how about you brad okay right now I am getting ready to finish off the artwork for, is it DCC 90, what, whatever the reprint of a Chained Coffin is. Ooh. Ooh, the wow. box set? The Yeah, the box set. Oh, cool. Wait, is it a box set? I thought it was a big hardcover book. Oh, it's no, the old one is a box set, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yes. But uh, oh. I wasn't involved with that, but I'm... I've got, I think, seven pieces in the uh, reprint here, and a couple that I actually broke out, like some of the scratch, my old scratch board, and I am going full Virgil Finlay on this one illustration to a point where my eyeballs, I think, fell out of my head once or twice last <laughs> night from all the crosshatching. Holy cow, <laughs> you are dedicated. I, I'm not sure dedicated as OCD. <laughs> Potato, tomato. Now, yeah. now, Brad, take a second and tell us who Virgil Finley is, because I read in your in your art book the your DC your classic dungeon crawl art folio, and the, when they asked you about your favorite artist, you brought him up like three times. <laughs> Only which three? Is, well, at least two or three times. I don't know. But anyway, multiple times, and uh, you know, so educate us all on uh, Virgil Finley in thirty seconds or less. Okay. Virgil Finlay was an artist for the old Weird Tales magazine. He was uh, did a lot of artwork for stories by H.P. Lovecraft. In fact, his portrait of Lovecraft was the one that they would use in the magazine whenever you know Lovecraft would come out with a new story. 
he was legendary for his use of stipple and just real, real fine line cross-hatching, hatching. He's been an idol of mine for more years than uh, I even care to admit to. To give you an idea, last year I got a uh, Christmas present calendar from Joe Goodman, which was in fact the uh, 2018 Virtual Finlay calendar. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like he knows you. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was just looking at some Virgil Finlay sketches, and these are absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. Right. So go to Google now as you listen and just soak it up. It's pretty, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're driving. Right. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. Yes. And hey, that also tells us that the new edition of Chained Coffin is really going to be new, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. I know Chris Arneson also has several pieces. I'm not sure who all else he tapped for new artwork. Holy smoke. Still, the fact that he's going through that much effort for a reprint is yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. So you have seven new pieces in, they're brand new and they're in the chain coffin? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, inclu including one, a portrait of Manly Wade Wellman, who is the kind of spiritual godfather of the chain coffin setting oh, that uh, cool. Mike Curtis uh, references oh, yes. you know, quite openly. Yeah. Mm. So mm. Super awesome stuff. Yeah. With Joseph being my main client these days, I literally just am, I churn out stuff so fast sometimes i don't even remember what what i worked on like two weeks ago <laughs> it's sometimes it's almost embarrassing because i'll start going through my pile of artwork in this drawer and i'm like i know that was for goodman but i don't remember doing that piece anymore and i'll realize it's only like four four or five months ago well i am going to guide you to my favorite pieces but we'll do that later Okay. <laughs> and i think for now why don't we go on over and summon Jeff, get your timer ready, because we're going to summon a couple emails. All right. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered a message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. Here is our segment where we all read a couple emails. And as you know, if you're a diehard spellburner, you know, of course, that we have introduced the email reply timer. I think we're at one minute apiece to reply. Yes? <laughs> yes. Sure. All right. Or less. Or less. Yes. Less is entirely appropriate. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is from Judge Joan, former guest and Spellburn alumnus excellent. And Jeff, would you like to take this one? Sure. Hello, S-Burners. Listening to the cleric part of the episode, I have questions. DM Kojo brings up a lot to think about. I'm not so sure I get the cleric rules correct. Of course, the rules between the wizard and cleric need to be different and unique. I've tried playing a cleric and each time with different stats and levels, my cleric isn't able to make anything work. Thus, I believe, ha, that I am not fully understanding the cleric rules. Hmm. Um, I'm going to annoy Jeff by not letting him rant about the cleric here. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to keep, keep quiet because I am not a rules kind of guy. <laughs> Have you ever played a cleric in uh, DCC, Brad? Actually, this is the point where I uh, somewhat embarrassedly admit that I'm not really a gamer anymore. Have you ever played Dungeon Crawl Classics? No, I haven't. I'm trying to Yes, arrange... you have. You sat with us for a bit when Mark was running something. Do you mean the uh, 
game at uh, Gen Con last year, Mark ran a little something off the books, and we all had character sheets. Yeah, that was it. Uh, counts technicality. Yeah, oh, it, it does count. Okay, I don't know. The only <laughs> the only thing clear I remember that is like, yes, I'm gonna get to play the DCC. I haven't gamed in. 13, 14, 15 years now, and I rolled a one for my first initiative. <laughs> oh, well. I could not make that story up. <laughs> yes. Well, at least so, you got it out on initiative. That's not so bad. Right. Yeah. So I, I think I just, at that point, just like, hey, guys, I think the universe is trying to tell me something. Hmm. I'm going to bed. Oh. <laughs> I actually meant to try to game some at this Gen Con. I even brought my dice, and by the time I was all done with everything, running around at the booth all, all day, every day, I didn't have any energy left to game. Yeah, it happens. Oh, yeah. There's still time to, there's still all that drinking we have to do at night. I mean, it's hard to... <laughs> exactly. Know. Come on. I mean, you gotta try out the IPAs. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Judge Jen, do you want to respond at all to... Um... The cleric, uh, confusion, clerical confusion or clerical... Uh... Okay, so just to be sure, mm. Judge Julian has passed after saying he's just going to make sure Judge Jeff doesn't get started about wizard versus cleric. I, okay. I, I, canceled, <laughs> I canceled Jeff out. Neither of us will respond. I parried his... Oh, oh I see. <laughs> yes, it was a deed. Actually, the cleric was the very first thing I played when Troy sat us down to the game, and it was the random character sheet that I pulled. And I've, you know, it's just a matter of playing it more than running it, I think. Or or maybe it's a little of both. Read one little section at a time. Make sure that's concrete in your head. Make sure that you can work with that as people are making those roles and and make sure everything gels and then maybe next time you know before the next game focus on say turning undead or unholy rather it is fair to maybe say that it's the rulesiest class is that is that fair to say yeah there's a lot more going on than there is with a wizard right and or just about any class well the mercurial effects for a wizard are an extra step but those are determined pretty early on and while you might have to refer to them, they don't keep changing, usually. So, yeah, Cleric is rulesiest, so it's probably not just you, Joan. I think so. You got laying on hands, you got turning, you got all this other stuff, you got disapproval. It, it gets a little crazy. Mm-hmm. It's probably not the best class for people's first DCC game, for instance. Mm. Anyway, I think we beat that one up pretty good. So thank you, Joan. Thanks for the email. And how about our next email straight out of the bag? Ooh, me. Me, me, me. Judge Jen, would you like to take a shot at this? I can do this one. It's short. Uh, it comes from Judge Kevin Luxtrider Keneally. He says, howdy, gang. I was wondering, do you folks use any special rules or guidelines for stat increases in DCC? I know there's reference to, quote unquote, questing for it, but can you give some examples of what you have done in your games? Thank you and keep on keeping on. So, Jeff. All right. I will admit that I've not done any questing for stat increases in my games, but I also haven't had players who've really requested for that or sought that. And if they did, I think my approach to it would be kind of the 
the training montage where you go to find the the wizened sage or the 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 martial art master on top of the mountain where you go up this these perilous peaks to find this master you have to convince him or her to take you on as a potential uh, trainee and then you guys spend some time working with them and this person sends you on a few quests to gather some rare and absurd items that they want in order to give you said training something along those lines i think could work yeah i don't know that's what i've got to say does it involve chasing chickens around <laughs> it could sure be good yeah <laughs> absolutely as for me i i have given this a lot of thought because of uh, trevor hartman's memnock uh character wizard character in our old dcc campaign and uh, at fourth level, Memnock has died and rolled the body and been saved by lay on hands and so on so many times now that his stamina is like four or five or something. So mm-hmm. even at fourth level, his hit points are like six or five or something. Oh my God. He's, he's also had some bad luck. But so anyway, he has voiced some interest and in eventually if we we were kind of on hiatus for quite a while now, but eventually if we were going to resume play, we'd have to probably address that. And his patron, Cezrakhan, would probably make him do a whole adventure, uh, if not a whole you know series of adventures that would probably kill him and another party member in the course of trying to raise his stamina by like three (laughs) so anyway you could also of course you know offer people some magic items and sort of build it into the game give that magic item or give that uh, wish type thing you know in trial of the toy makers there's a thing where every characters can get a boon at the end of the adventure if they successfully you know resolve the adventure spoiler alert nice i'm realizing i forgot to run the timer (laughs) i know see i'm still going so no, it's fine. And you can you can keep going if you want, but just Are you calling me out? <laughs> okay, so uh, I think that is probably where I should wrap it up, but I I think the the reason questing for it is the go-to is just because it's a player agency thing, you know. We're not going to give it to a player unless he really actively pursues it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. As opposed to, oh, I found this new item like in AD&D. I found this item. It gives me this. Oh, well, I didn't need this, but I'll take it. Uh, no, that that's kind of silly. Yeah, or now I have 60, 60 million gold pieces, so I'm going to go ahead and buy this like tome of stat increase plus one. Right. right. If you want to go classic, you could always do something very much like Michael Moorcock did with Stormbringer in the Elric series, where it's like, yeah, here's all the here's a nice high stat attribute. But, uh, oh, yeah, it comes with a really high price. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I can tell you that in our DCC Lankmar campaign playtest, as we were playtesting with the hard and tough and gritty rules, the caster actually became unplayable. He got to the point where if he lost one more point of stamina, he would be at zero hit points. Yeek. So he had to retire. And... You know, there are points where, you know, perhaps you could get the uh, wise old lady around the corner to reset some of your bones and maybe regain some of those attribute points that you've lost, but it's going to be pricey. And between carousing and everything else going on in Lankmar, 
if you have more than 10 gold rilks to your name, yeah, you're you're living the high life, man. And <laughs> you've got worse things to worry about than broken bones. I really thank you, Brad. The, the idea of the item or the parasite or some other kind of thing with an interesting price is an awesome idea. So good, good way. Good way to think about that. I mean, that's just classic Appendix N stuff. No, yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, Judge Kevin, and thank you, Judge Joan. Uh, and now we are going to head over to Mighty Deeds. Let the combat begin! To the death! Why behold our hero! Oh, so you want to play rough, eh? Well, take this! Mighty Deeds. All right, over in our Mighty Deeds portion of the episode, we have got Judge Brad to interrogate for uh, you know, a little while and talk about some art. I think I'll just open it up and you know tell it tell us about your history with art and how you started making it and how you started making gaming art and that stuff. I kind of uh stumbled into the gaming art. I liter- I wanted to be a magazine illustrator again going back to the whole Virgil Finlay shtick and I was just on campus at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, at the commuter center, sitting there doodling, and I wasn't paying attention at all. A friend of mine who was starting a gaming company came down, was talking to one of his, his alumni friends. It's like, we're looking for an artist for to do the cover for our first game, and our mutual friend kind of pointed over to me, over in my direction. I didn't even know this was going on. And the next thing I know, this guy's like, Hi, I'm Walter. I understand you're an artist. And uh, (laughs) suddenly I was a cover artist for a company called Stellar Games. Wow. No interview? No (laughs) portfolio? They came to me. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I mean, I was sitting there drawing. I think it was some weird little like skull cyberpunk thing, whatever, whatever. I mean, he take, he took a look what I was basically just doodling to pass the time, and that was all he really needed to know. Is like, I think you and I can work together. Wow. And that was back in like 88, I want to say now. Oof. Yeah, I've been at this a long time. Yeah. For what's the product that you worked on back then? Uh, it was called Expendables, which was basically, it's it was really a really cool idea. It was basically... Uh, the science fiction equivalent of the Dirty Dozen, you know, kind of like you. We we need you to go on these uh, really really dangerous missions, but because you're all prisoners that we're pulling from death row, if you don't survive, oh well, shucky darn for you. It was basically a Suicide Squad long before D, uh, DC Comics relaunched the concept. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, Sci-fi game, huh? Mm-hmm. Interesting. What was that other game that you were involved with? Nightlife. Nightlife. Okay. Nightlife. I, I remember that coming up in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob brought his copy uh, for me to autograph at Gen Con this past year. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was like, thanks, Bob. <laughs> I feel really, really old right now. Are you kidding? It was like justification. That, that one little piece of justification he needed for having held on to it all that time. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I googled it and it's it's like the most 80s cover ever. Oh god, yes. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. 
I had no control over that cover. Well, no. No, I want to see. But yes, but that cover screams 1987 in ways that I don't think 1987 ever could. <laughs> yeah. Your words, not yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more 80s than the 80s. Now, I noticed, Brad, when I was, uh, you know, looking Ooh. at your web page, <laughs> okay. you've worked for a ton of companies. Yeah, I, I don't, I honestly can't even keep track of all the companies, the companies I've done work for because so many of them were like, you know, I'd do like one project for them and they'd either fade away or they just wouldn't get back in contact with me. And I was like, okay, I guess I did work for you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially at the explo at the beginning of the uh, D3 era when everyone suddenly wanted to become popular. Right. Mm. I mean, look at look at all those RPG publishers that turned into you know huge billion dollar enterprises from that era. Mm -hmm. It's all <laughs> yeah. I, w I was with Alderac Entertainment very very early on, long before you know before they even start did the uh, first Legend of Five Rings uh, expansion. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's to Ooh. this day John Zinzer and I. It's like hi, John boy. <laughs> You know, I go, I go to convent. I, I look at the thing for the listing for Jane Con. It's like, ooh, guest of honor, John Zinzer Jr. I'm like, that's nice. I wonder if it's dad. I wonder if it's dad's coming. One time I, actually, one time I actually had to call the office, and for some reason it's like, you know, yeah, I need to talk to John Zinzer, and this old guy gets on the phone. It's like, uh, hi, may I help you? It's like, John. Oh yeah. Oh oh, you're looking for my son. <laughs> it's like, oh oh, oh hello, Mister Zinzer. Uh, how may I help? <laughs> yeah, is your son around by chance? Jeez. <laughs> so truly a family-owned organization. Yeah, I I don't remember even why his dad was at the offices that day. <laughs> but yeah, it was just kind of funny. So I'm curious, how or or when did the Dark Master first uh, approach you, or or was it vice versa? It was a vice versa. That was Origins maybe 2002. And my wife and I went down to Origins. And we had been walking around. And I was doing my normal thing, you know, being an art hoe. And basically anyone who even looked <laughs> like an art director, I was shoving portfolios in their face. <laughs> and finally it's like, are you getting kind of hungry, hon? Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> go to BD's? Yeah. No, yeah, it was a Midi's Mongolian girl. <laughs> so we, basically our minds at that point really weren't on gaming anymore. We were looking forward to some good old stir fry. So we're heading down the uh, aisle and I see Goodman Games. Hmm. Never heard of them. But you know what? I've got, I've still got four or five portfolios in this stack that I had prepped up and they're not going to be any use as soon as we leave this convention. So I was like, oh, hi. I was wondering if I could speak to your art director. And that was Joseph. That was back when uh, Goodman Games was basically one inline booth, and it was him and April. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the days of Brontosaurus Rex. Yes. <laughs> yeah, kind of brush, brush the dust off that one, eh? Yeah. But uh, we got to talking, and he really liked my artwork. And it's like, I don't have anything coming up right now. I'll be in touch as soon as I do. 
And I'm like, cool, you know. So uh, that was in July in, I want to say, December, maybe. He contacted me about doing artwork for a complete guide to Drow. And something like 120 projects later now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. wait, that's not pieces, that's projects. That's full books, yeah. So how many pieces would that be roughly? I mean, how many per project? Are you kidding me? What do I look like, a calculator? <laughs> I got a calculator right here. <laughs> On the average, I would say if you were to average out like the books that I illustrated everything of, figure, say, six times however many projects I've done for him. Holy cow. Um, I have Manila, I have a, like, at one point I had them organized to the point where I, I had them, like, shoved into manila envelopes. I have, like, five or six manila envelopes crammed full of Goodman Games. Okay. Wow. Yeah. wow. I mean, would, can you even give me a guesstimate how many pieces I've done for Joseph over the years? Well, that would be well over 800. Six times 120 would be 720. Okay, my wife is guessing me over 1,000. Ooh, wow. <laughs> well, I did wow. all the artwork. Uh, the book mm -hmm. Crime Pays, I had 20, like 25 illustrations in that one book. Mm -hmm. What's Crime Pays? Wait. Oh, it was uh, something I think he did for fourth edition. It was Organized Crime in a Fantasy Setting. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I noticed also you've done some uh, Age of Cthulhu, right? Um, I uh, designed the logo, and I did pretty much all the interior artwork. And my wife uh, actually did all the layouts. Ooh, nice. Mm-hmm. And you're heavily involved with the Cthulhu alphabet as well. Joseph and I are not quite sure. You know, I think the idea for it originally being the Mythos alphabet. Well, sorry. I'm not quite <laughs> sure whether Joseph suggested it or I suggested it or what, but he knew that I am a ridiculous Lovecraft geek. And so he was like, hey, let's go ahead and do this. And I was originally scheduled to be the sole artist and sole writer. Ooh, that's huge. That, that was that's a too big. little bit too huge. Yeah. Yeah. A fair amount of the book is being farmed out to uh, other writers. Actually, it's basically completely written at this point. And I'm just trying to find time in my schedule to finish uh, the rest of my artwork. I'm still going to have <laughs> something like 14 entries. And you're doing these clip art pieces. I always see you on Facebook advertising your clip art number 500 or 600 or whatever. <laughs> clip art you're critters, doing yeah. all of, You're doing all the clip art critters on the side. How many are you up to now? I had insomnia this morning, so I finalized clip art critter nine, number 538. Great googly moogly. <laughs> My okay. wife even just looked over with this, like, like are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, number 500, we've got scheduled to come out on Halloween this year. Okay. I've got pieces prepped, either completely or partially prepped, ready until after Gen Con of next year. So, Brad, I'm actually looking at your artist page online and looking at your credits, and I see that you have both TSR and Wizards of the Coast on your credits. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I had been trying to break TSR basically. Obviously, almost from the time I started, you know, going to Gen Con at all. By the way, the art director at that time was a guy named Larry Smith. 
and after two minutes of talking to him, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to kiss him or kick his... <coughs> you know what? <laughs> he okay. looked... I asked him if he could critique my portfolio, and he kind of... Do, 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 why, sure, I'd be glad to, Brad, you know. And in about five minutes, he told me more about what I was doing wrong as an artist than six years of art professors had. Hmm. I can understand your reaction then. Yeah, I'm like, I, uh, why couldn't I have had you as a teacher? Because you just pointed out what I've been doing wrong all these years. At the, at the blink of an eye. And did he do it in a helpful way? or? Oh, yeah. Oh no, Larry's a, Larry is a complete sweetheart. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh no. There's. I've. I've had my fair share of. Yeah. No. He was like, these are very good, but, and they show a lot of potential. But if you were to just do this and use higher contrast in your artwork, you'd find that a lot of these pictures pick up, get a lot more oomph to to the bang for your buck. And that's like all those teachers never pointed this out to me before. Hmm. So uh, mm. it was about maybe a year and a half or to two years. At, well, I kept trying to get break them, and I was just never quite good enough in Larry's eyes. Finally, one's like, you know what? I think it's time to finally give you a, a shot at it. And obviously I jumped on it. <laughs> and I uh, worked for them for probably about two and a half years and racked up a pretty respectable pile of artwork. Unfortunately, uh, I ended up with a uh, gamer for a roommate, and when he moved out, because he had gotten a job somewhere out in Wisconsin, and about two, three weeks after he left, I was going through my art files and realized that all my TSR art was gone. What? Oh, no. Uh-huh. Bogus. Yeah, I was uh, not real happy. The uh, only thing that I laugh about now is... Given the money that most gaming art actually goes for, it's like, Ed, I hope you have as much problem getting rid of this stuff as I do at shows. <laughs> because if you thought you got something that was incredibly valuable, the joke's on you. Oh, man. Yeah. That's but funny. It, it was great. No, Larry was a wonderful person to have both as a friend and a client he actually tricked me into doing one of my first color jobs <laughs> literally tricked me because mm -hmm. i for the longest time i was terrified of the concept of doing color if you notice there if you go through any of my stuff more than about 10 years back there's almost no color it's almost all black and white yeah so like hey brad uh got a job for you oh sure larry what do you what do you need I need you to do some spot illustrations of ghosts for an upcoming issue of Dragon Magazine. Ghosts. Okay. Awesome. Sure. I'll do them. Oh, by the way, they're in color. Mm-hmm. He basically got me to agree to do the job, and then, oh, by the way, they're in color. Yes. Ghosts in color. Mm-hmm. Which would normally, you'd be kind of white or something anyway, or pale, or yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't stereotype. <laughs> No. no, right? No. Not all ghosts are white, Julian. <laughs> oh, jeez! Wow. Here we go. I could just, I could just see Job's email coming around the corner. <laughs> nice. I want to hear more about this clip art thing. Okay. This is crazy to me. I mean, describe how this works. You sell all these pieces of art. 
and they're relatively inexpensive. I, I like to think they're very inexpensive. I would say so because they're nice pieces. So you can just buy mm -hmm. these, and then you, once purchased, you have you can use these in any product you're assembling uh -huh. or whatever, right? Even if you're publishing it for sale. Yeah. Really. As long as you do not try to sell it as clip art from your own company, yeah. That was the whole point of creating clip art critters. Well, other than to trying to squeeze a, a little bit of extra money out of some of these projects, was a lot of small companies operate on shoestring budgets, or probably a couple threads of a shoestring. Yeah. And anyone will tell you the most expensive part of electronic publishing is the artwork. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, when an artist has to charge $25 to $50 for a quarter to a half page illustration, you know, I mean, that's going to cut into your profit margin insanely. Mm -hmm. So you're selling some of these, sometimes they're on sale for as little as, what was it, 69 cents the um, last that, sale that, I saw? That, yeah, that wasn't <laughs> quite intentional. What happened was, as the lead up to Clip Art Critter number 500, uh, I wanted to do something special because I feel like number 500, this is not going to come around more than once. I mean, you know, no. it's going to take another 10 to 15 years before I get to Clip Art. God help me all. Clip Art Critter 1000, <laughs> if I should live so long before my my brain falls out and rolls under my art desk. So I, like, every day I was highlighting a past piece priced down to a dollar, and then the one, two, three, or three or four weekly releases, I was like, eh, I'll just make those a dollar to make it across the board for the entire month. Well, I didn't know that RPG Now was going to be running a Halloween sale on <laughs> anything even vaguely, you know, scary, which uh, <clears throat> I have some scary pieces in my portfolio. Yeah. So these dollar pieces are now marked down by an extra 31%. Ah. Yeah. So... Even if normally priced at, what are they, three or five dollars, we'll say, just as a generality. For the longest time, it was four dollars. And last year, sometime, I don't remember exactly when, we thought, you know what? I have not raised the price on Clip Art Critters since I began. Mm. So, around, I want to say maybe four, ten, four, twenty, we bumped it up to five. Okay, so for five dollars. Mm -hmm. I could purchase a piece of Brad McDevitt clip art mm -hmm. and put it in my publication mm -hmm. and then sell my publication. I'm basically getting an ad hoc license. Basically, yeah. Hot damn, people. Why, why are not everybody buying these? Seriously. You can use this on t-shirts if you want. You can use it in your normal publications you can use it in electronic uh, publications mm. in advertising for your company whatever 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 like i said as long as you're not trying to sell it as your own piece of clip art we are perfectly comfortable with it that's very cool Holy okay i hope our listeners are getting a real airful on this one you know i just kind of think to myself I'm going to write an adventure. I'm just going to find five or ten pieces I like and just then figure out the adventure around them. Right? We also have bundles available. Ooh, <laughs> well. Of course you do. If you have something, let's <laughs> say, I want to do a zombie bundle or a zombie adventure. There you uh, go. Just scroll down through, find the zombie bundle, and boom, 
I think the zombie bundle is like $20, but that's like 10 pieces. So as long as it's not too hmm. huge of a module, you have all your art needs for that zombie adventure for 20 bucks. That's great. That's pretty cool. You know, makes it a lot easier for you to, uh, for uh, small publishers to end up in the black. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Have two publishers ever used the same oh, piece? Oh, sure. I've been at this for over 10 years now, so it's not wildly uncommon to see, oh, you know, because I would be very disappointed to know if I put all the effort into publishing one of these pieces and it only ever got used once in the course of 10 years. That's fair. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Of course. Well, I'm sure a lot of them get bought and then they sort through them and then they go, oh, you know, I'll use these five and not yeah. these three or right. whatever. I mean, they're pretty economical, so. But, yeah, it would be it would be amusing to actually, like, open up the book and be like... Oh, I just saw this in yeah. Jason Hobbs's <laughs> Half Men of the Pursuit Hollow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just such a crazy idea. I don't know. I mean, is it was this your innovation, uh, Brad, or is or do other artists do this? I I don't. I know uh, Storm Cook does uh, clip art. Rick Hershey from Fat Goblin Games also does clip art. Uh, those are the only two that are really springing to mind right now. And doesn't Dyson Logos do clip art, Matt? I think so, yeah. Hmm. So that that's some good stuff for our third-party printers to look at. <laughs> yeah. So, Brad, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you feel like it's a priority for you to illustrate women in a respectful way where they aren't just sex objects or to include people of color in non-stereotypical ways in your art? I'm afraid I'm a little bit too much of a male chauvinist pig to be able to say, why, yes, I always illustrate women in a completely respectful manner. And Joseph even sometimes has uh, half made fun of me, half taken me to task about my use of cheesecake. That's just something I've done. I remember all the way back to when I was working at GDW and one of my superiors at the company was like, you know, Brad, um, the, she's just a little bit voluptuous for a uh, the traveler crowd. <laughs> I am a little bit better about things oh. when it comes to trying to think. It's like, okay, does this person have to be white? Uh, you know, I think you did a great job with uh, detailing some diversity in skin tone, even in your black and white pieces with the Lankmar line. I did my best. There are some pieces within the modules that I'm like, wow, okay, I, that's not how I pictured that guy, but no, that totally makes sense now. Like uh, blasphemy in blasphemy and larceny in Lankmar, the opening scene, the the face that we see on on the guy, I'm just like, oh, well, okay, that's not how I, okay, no, that works perfectly. I mean, I don't sit there and have a quota that I feel I have to match, have to make that like there has to be this number of Hispanic-ish looking fellows and hat, you know, but it's just kind of like a, maybe this person should be black. Yeah, that looks good. Okay, boom. Uh, no, maybe not. Uh, maybe I'll leave them white. But to be fair, in black and white, it's just a matter of a little extra stippling or shading mm -hmm. or whatnot. Um, that's why in general, and I, I don't know if there's any nice way to say this, I don't really worry too much about whether they maybe look Asiatic or Hispanic because the subtleties there to represent those ethnic backgrounds 
I'll admit it's outside of my particular abilities to really accomplish and not be stupid about it. That's mm, actually very mm. fair. Yeah, and obviously you don't want to like go into caricature and that kind of stuff, or even close to that line. Really, it's just exactly, know, exactly. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. So, you know, ostensibly we are a DCC podcast called Spellburn. Okay. So I heard, well, actually from you <clears throat> earlier tonight, <laughs> that you had worked on a game called Spellburn. Right. Do you want to talk about that? And I'll quickly say, when Brad brought this up before we started recording, we were all like, wait, no, 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 stop talking save about it. this. We save have to it. save. We have to save this for the episode. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm going to be like making any, releasing any uh, company secrets or anything. I think it was still, you know, like three point before three point five even came out. Joseph had been talking to this writer that wanted to do this really kind of cool spaghetti western fantasy horror game, you know, and it's like, hmm, spaghetti western fantasy horror okay. i hope you do realize joseph that uh at this uh, on this end of the monitor by the way i'm drooling right now as i'm listening to the <laughs> soundtrack for the good the bad and the ugly on my hard drive hmm. well so the book was mostly written i had a ton of artwork done oh by the way as you probably have figured the name of the game was supposed to be spellburn mm -hmm. right you know i don't even remember particularly where how the term was relevant to the game other than the fact that it sounded cool. It does sound cool. <laughs> of course it sounds cool. <laughs> Anyhow, so I had a ton of artwork done. I, I had even designed just on my own like a, hey, Joseph, do you think this would be cool as a logo for it? You know, the whole nine yards. And all of a sudden the writer just, Lost interest. To give you an idea how long ago this was, this was in the days of Yahoo Messenger. Ooh. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, th that's one step uh, up. For, yeah. for, for you younger folks, that's one step up from basically, uh, you know, writing out your messages to people and tying it to the legs of your uh, pterodactyl and letting it go. Yeah, if I recall correctly, Yahoo Messenger is actually steam-powered, <laughs> yes. correct? Yes, Yahoo Messenger Cold. was steam-powered. <laughs> it, sends, it sends out puffs of smoke in Morse exactly. code. No, 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 that's, a, that's AOL. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, anyhow, because, I mean, I had been talking to the writer over Yahoo Messenger fairly regularly, you know, to make sure that we were always always on the same boat whatever for ideas and all of a sudden he stopped responding to any messages i emailed joseph's like uh yeah have you been able to get through to him because he's not re returning any emails and that was the Oof. end of spellburn the role-playing game Ooh. well there is an alternate reality where when we talk about spellburners we're actually not talking about um, folks on the Spellburn podcast, we're talking about people who play a fantasy Western role-playing game. Crazy. Hmm. Well, it, it would basically be like if you were playing Shadowrun, except in the wild, wild west in the 1880s. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. 
I think I'm going to write a, a, a Western Cthulhu-inspired DCC game. What do you guys think? Um, I think Dark Trails um. is almost done. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Jeff, I would be very happy for some of this artwork to see the light of day. Oh. Well, the thing is, Joseph paid me for all this artwork. Ooh. It's been sitting yeah. on my hard drive going, please use us for 12 or 13 years now. Ooh. Don't you just want to sneak one into clip art critters? Yeah. Just to be naughty. No. No, you can't. Well, do that. You could pay Joseph back messing. first. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So tell us about your favorite DCC piece. So obviously you've done a ton of stuff for Dungeon Crawl Classics, the game. Yeah. Um, I was actually the very first Dungeon Crawl Classic artist, period. What was the first piece? Yes. When it was just there supporting uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I did all the artwork for that very first Dungeon Crawl Classics number one. Ooh. Uh, okay, Ooh. and this pedigree yeah. didn't come up earlier because... <laughs> I have no bloody clue. Spellburn the game, Jen. Come on. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Because <laughs> I remember Joseph loves Bronchosaurus Rex, but I think he realized, you know, by maybe 2003 or so sometime that Bronchosaurus Rex by itself, the sales were never going to be enough to really make Goodman Games a powerhouse uh, publisher. So it's like, let's try, everybody else is starting to do this. So it's like, he decided like, I'm going to try and start a new thing in my code, like Dungeon Crawl Classics, and it's just going to be like Little Adventures. And it's like, sure, I can, you know, he's like, can you draw like Errol Otis or Bill Willingham or such? And I'm like, I'm not sure I can really fake their style, but I, I understand you want a kind of really simplified retro style. And he said, yes. And so I can do that. <laughs> you know, I think the I did artwork in, I think, all but one or two of the first 35 of the original run of the DCC. Wow. I mean, it got to the point where literally, and I'm not joking here, I was doing so much artwork for him one time. Another publisher that shall go remain unnamed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... I knew how much I was supposed to get for this job, and it's like, yes, I've got next month's rent taken care of. This company was going to pay me quickly, you know? Well, it's like, and I get my check, and it's only for $140, with a note that, by the way, we decided we didn't like your artwork, so here's your kill fee. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Now what do we do? Now what do I do? Because I'm... Part of me doesn't want to let that publisher remain nameless but part of me knows that it would be in poor taste to leak it so uh, yeah wow. I, uh, ask me later on jen and i <laughs> and i can tell you none of my damn business brad <laughs> <laughs> but i'm guessing they still publish they're still around probably yes, they because they don't pay artists they don't like um so yeah. going back to dcc do you have any favorite particular piece you know julian was asking about that and maybe it's a favorite project okay can i just finish one Mm -hmm. last thing anyhow this is how much artwork i was doing for goodman games at that time as the same time that i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be like 250 dollars short on rent for this month a check showed up from goodman games for a project that i had done and i'd been churning out so much artwork i had actually forgotten i had done that project nice (laughs) (laughs) well at at one point i was literally doing like two sometimes three 
books a month for him hmm. because he had all of the Dungeon Crawl Classic stuff plus the Complete Guide series. Mm-hmm. And I forget what, you know, this, that, and the other thing, too. So I had literally forgotten about this project. This The project that, you know, suddenly I've got a check for $200 from, thank you, Joseph. <laughs> oh. My blood pressure could go back down to at least something semi-normal. I only have to find like $40 to pay rent now. <sighs> thank yeah. you, God. So, anyhow. Okay, favorite pieces for the DCC. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say... And Jen, you specifically mean DCC RPG, right? Yes. Um, yes. Either. Because yes. that, that's, that's the question I want to ah. Okay. I would say my favorite piece for the actual DCC RPG period so far, probably from the original, I think it's in the, at the beginning, near the beginning of the combat section, the barbarian stabbing the naga in the throat. Oh, yeah, that one's cool. Yeah. Because that's one I actually have up on my wall here. Very cool. Yeah. Is there a piece of art from any era of your career that has now kind of fallen into obscurity, but that you're so proud of that you just really wish you could just kind of show everybody? Oh, God. Like just one leap to mind or not really? Um, Actually, yes. It was a piece that I did back when I was at Game Designers Workshop. Okay. And it's just a portrait piece of a woman in the classic costume of for traveler characters of that time with a moon in the background and it was just one of those ones that's like damn i did this just about perfect that's awesome you know but uh you know with the essentially the the demise of traveler the new era as a game i'm pretty sure there's maybe a dozen people in the entire world that (laughs) remember that particular piece hey brad do you have a uh Hmm? a website of any sort or is is that what julian was referring to when he said he was looking through your art i have an actual website bradleykmcdevitt.net okay which is woefully in need of an update mm-hmm. totally feel you <laughs> i just kind of uh looked in a not only slightly accusatory fashion at uh, my webmistress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's only gonna do the jobs that pay man i totally get this <laughs> But um, with the growth of social media, we personally find it's actually just as easy just to update those as to worry about trying to send people to a specific website, you know, that actually requires actual serious work to have yes. be uh, updated, as opposed to just Facebook, Google+, MeWe, Twitter, Pinterest, DeviantArt. Drive through RPG. Uh, well, I don't actually just post artwork there. Well, no, but that's where your clip art pieces are, right? Right, yeah. Okay. See, I'm I'm helping with your list. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Anyhow, basically, if you look for me on the internet and you claim you can't find me, you're not working very hard. Nice. I even do it at like Tumblr. Wow. Yeah, like I said. Yeah. I mean, I when I update all the way across my uh, social media, it usually takes me about half an hour. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. And I find with a lot of RPG artists, if you just type in their name into Google Images, you usually just find images of a bunch of people who happen to have their name. So you usually have to add the word art to it. Mm -hmm. But like for yours, if you just type in Brad McDevitt to Google Images, just immediately your images come up. Which is good because it is my understanding from checking, there's only like three or four Brad McDevitts in the entire United States. Oh, that's helpful. One of them is a jazz musician and the other one, God help us all, is a performance artist. 
Hey. Ooh. <laughs> and I don't know what this is from, but the first image that does come up. So you either find a picture of me or some guy in a jock strap wearing a uh, lamb's head or something. Oh, that's great. You know. Covered in dollar bills. Yeah, covered in dollar bills. It's wizard time. Come on. I fully support that. <laughs> I also fully support when you Google image search your name, the very first image that shows up is this really cool drawing of this like thorn covered ant man in front of an exploding volcano. Oh, yeah. What is this? That's that's on the back of your art folio. Mm-hmm. I know exactly that picture. Hmm. It's yeah. so cool. Why, thank you. Um, that was originally for Age of Cthulhu 5, I want to say. I love it. Thank you. I'm just going to fanboy for a second and say <laughs> my personal favorite is your, um, well, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, you've done so much stuff. And I really also <laughs> like your X-Crawl stuff. The mm-hmm. the stuff in Boston crawl with all the endorsements on the actual players <laughs> just cracks me up. And that kind of has that flavor that I always think of when mm-hmm. I describe that milieu. But, but, you know, in the page, it's in page 36 of the fourth printing book probably the same of the original i'm sure this is in the original but the picture of the like the thief coming and he's got the beer he looks kind of sinbadish or something and there's the weird alien and the other dude hold or this other weird crazy figure holding a weird gem or a egg or something and it's so you know when i saw that picture it's one of the first things i remember in the book that was like this is not like elves and unicorns. Like we're not even, <laughs> we're not even, I mean, you can do that if that's your jam, you know, you can totally do it. But what's your point though? What's, what's the point of playing X-Crawl at that point? Though? <laughs> well, no, I don't mean X-Crawl. I mean, even just the original DCC, like this is something. Oh, oh that one. Oh yeah. yeah that yeah. was a, that was my uh, Conan inspired piece. Cause I very much had the Robert E. Howard story, uh, tower of the elephant. in Right. Mm-hmm. I did that. Right. And it's like, it's super, it's somewhere between Appendix N and like a weird Jack Kirby thing almost like, you know, just the texture of it and the, but also completely, you know, there's no Tolkien in that picture. You know, we're just not even pretending. I, you know, I was like, okay, I, I'm home. You know, I, that was a great moment. I love my uh, Lord of the Rings, but if you ask me like, okay, you know, which fantasy author should you, you know, am, do you want to read? I zoom almost straight back to uh, Robert E. Howard and such. Hmm. Well, and, and you nailed Liber with, with your Lankmar illustrations. I mean, mm-hmm. for the people who got the Lankmar Kickstarter and don't worry, it's en route for all the good stuff for everyone <laughs> else to have it. The very first page of the compendium of secret knowledge you've got that banner of art at the top and it's got those wisps of just the smoke and the fog coming off the streets and it gives that that feel that you can tell the texture of the buildings you can tell that you really can't breathe in this place and it's it just nailed it brad thank you there there's my fangirl moment (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing, and I think this is one reason why Joseph does love to use me, whenever possible, when I get a new project for him that is like based on something like this, I try and go back and read the source material. Like, So before I started the artwork for Lankmar, 
I went back and read every little piece of Fafford and Grey Mouser I could lay my hands on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Likewise, it's like me doing work on Chain Coffin. I went back and, you know, I borrowed a, a big book of a Manly Wade Wellman stuff. You know, so it's like, okay, let's soak up some uh, Appalachian fantasy. Yeah, no, it, and it shows. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I will say the piece that I particularly am fond of is the V is for a vampire image from the Monster <laughs> Alphabet. When we've got this this badass dude with a mace and this like woman in chainmail with her wooden stakes attacking this like vicious female oh, vampire right, yeah. who's like tearing some man's throat out. And like, there's just so much like action in it. And also one thing I really love about kind of Judge's Guild specific art or or like old school TSR art is it very much feels like the 70s or the 80s were like transported to kind of medieval, medieval times. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this image is like dripping with like 70s, like exploitation, action movie, horror movie goodness. It's like all like just coming out of the page on the in that image. Oh, I, I used to be a huge B-movie, bad movie aficionado. I used to utterly mm -hmm. terrorize the clerks at the one video store <laughs> and to the point where it almost became a game with me to see what kind of reaction I could get from them with the latest trauma movie that I was renting. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, that leaps off the page on this particular image. Oh, thank you. Your references are clearly on point. <laughs> So given uh, how much, you know, cheesecake I sometimes uh, let slip into artwork, I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or not, but that's beside the point, I suppose. <laughs> For me, it is. <laughs> For me, it's a plus. So there's your goat endorsement. Hate on clerics and, and go for cheesecake. <laughs> I don't think he's sufficiently annoyed, honestly. I'm not. I'm not. Not by that image. Actually, then, at that point, Jeff, I should point you to... I think it was for Rogue Games. I had to do a vampire count. And I'll just say that when I by the time I was done, my wife was like, you need to do more artwork like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you need to go take a cold shower, dear. <laughs> you know which picture I'm talking about. She's nodding her head rather vigorously. Yeah. I'm going, just, I mean, re reading this terms like, okay, fine. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I just Googled for beefcake <laughs> and went from there <laughs> nice so well kids i think it's probably the witching hour for the spellburners and that's oh, the, yes. the podcasters not the spellburn the game <laughs> so but brad it has been a pleasure to have you with us it's been a pleasure uh getting letting you stroke my ego <laughs> yes well <laughs> Not a problem. I think uh, this has been pretty fun. And wow, DCC number one and prior to that. So yeah, that's pretty uh, That's pretty good. I like that. Brad, thanks for being with us. For all our listeners, uh, you can go ahead and email us at theband at spellburn.com. Our, our pile's actually getting a little lighter, so please go ahead and uh, connect. Go ahead and leave us some reviews on iTunes. And thank you to Mr. Hector phonic for our editing all right well this is judge julian saying good night and uh thanks for listening and game on you've been listening to spellberg copyright 2017
Our theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com. This has been a Hectophonic Production.